The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball Today. I'm Chris Towers here with Scott White. No Frank Stamfel. He's on vacation getting married this weekend. Congratulations to Frank. We'll see him back next week, but for the next couple of days after the weekend. You've got Scott and I, and we're here on Friday, Kokomo Friday, to break down Thursday night's action. We had a amazing third pirate in the month of June to hit three home runs. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about some of the other Thursday night action and preview week 14. We've got your streamers, your two-start sleepers, your sleeper hitters, best and worst hitting matchups, all that. But first, Frank and I, Frank and I did the uh, Stranger Things segment yesterday to, to you know celebrate the return of, of one of both Frank and I's favorite series, Stranger Things. Scott, I don't know if you've, if you've watched it, but uh, no. Volume 2 comes out, I believe, like right now, maybe? Oh, so... Wow. Uh, Sorry to pull you away from this, Chris. I wasn't going to be. I'm not going to be able to watch it until next week anyway. It's the, those episodes are like two hours long for the final two. So <laughs> I got I, I got to wait. Uh, but we did a Stranger Things segment talking about some strange things that have happened in Major League Baseball this season. And Stranger Things Volume 2 is here on Thursday night because Michael Perez hit three home runs for the Pittsburgh Pirates today. Uh one of the most, one of the more unbelievable three homer games I have to imagine in Major League history. He entered today with an OPS below 500, uh, leaves today with an OPS slightly above 600. So that tells you how bad he was. But <laughs> yeah, three home runs, five RBI, four hit game for catcher Michael Perez. And it kind of feels like when Reed Detmers threw a no hitter. And well, <laughs> we, we just note it, and and that might be unfair to read Detmers. That is unfair to read Detmers, I would say, because he at least was, you know, high draft pick, top prospect, great minor league numbers. Michael Perez is just a a a guy that the Pirates plug in behind the plate sometimes because their starter needs a day off, and not that. Not that the alternatives are great either. I guess it's possible he could earn more playing time because of this, but I, I don't think I don't think there's much to dig into here for fantasy. It's just yeah, one of those amazing well, two two days in a row. The Pirates have a guy hit three home runs. Obviously, Brian Reynolds did it on Wednesday night, and this is the third time in the month of June. This is the eighth team ever 
to have three three home run games in one season. The Pirates are. A couple of teams have had four. Uh, and the first ever to have three in the same month. Jake Sawinski did it earlier in the month of June. That is incredible for one of the worst offenses in baseball. So yeah. it's one of those, you know, you, you go to the ballpark and you see something new every day kind of things. Uh, but yeah, that was uh, that was an incredible one. We had to start off with that. Let's move on to, oh my goodness gracious, I don't have the uh, the the drop. So Scott, if you can give me your best Susan Waldman. Walden. Oh my goodness gracious. And who are you going with for your oh my goodness gracious? Hey, we didn't talk about this beforehand, Thursday. so I'm just going to have to go top of minds here. No, I have somebody picked out. It's Christopher Morell, another Christopher Christopher. Yes. And uh, he had The better a, Christopher. Uh, well, at some things. <laughs> uh, Christopher Morell went five for five with a home run, a, a majestic 440-foot home run, though I will note it was off a position player who was particularly bad for a position player pitching today. Uh, which position player was that again? I believe it was Mike Ford. No, uh, no, was it wasn't. It wasn't. It was uh, Max Schrock. Max Schrock. There you Max go. Schrock, who allowed two home runs, five earned runs in his inning of work. And, and yeah, one was this majestic blast by Christopher Morrell. Not that he's a stranger to hitting home runs. He just hit one the day before. So two good games in a row, you know, five hit day always stands out. Uh, on the one hand, I'm encouraged to see this, this two game stretch from Morrell because he had fallen off pretty hard. And I'm always encouraged when the young guy who comes up, takes the league by storm and then tails off. I'm, I'm always encouraged when he bounces back because a lot of times they don't particularly when it's not like a noteworthy prospect. Christopher Morrell was, uh, you know, barely a top 30 guy in the, in the Cubs system coming into the year. And so, you know, sometimes the league just figures them out and, and that's it. So on the one hand, encouraged by Christopher Morrell. On the other hand, if you remember all the times I've talked about Christopher Morrell previously, I've said this was a guy who struck out a lot in the minors and, Amazingly, he's not striking out that much in the majors, and it's allowing his his natural tools, his ability to hit for power, to steal bases. It's allowing them to play up beyond what the scouting reports suggested. Well, his struggles, uh, yeah, it, it changed during that. It changed during that. So in his last 17 games, including this 5-for-5 five five performance, where obviously he didn't strike out at all, in his last 17 games, Christopher Morrell has struck out at a 42.9% rate, which has gotten his season strikeout rate up over 30%. One of the basic tenets of Moneyball was that plate discipline generally doesn't improve for players. It does improve sometimes, but... When a player, particularly uh, uh, a, a particularly one entering new circumstances like this, when 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 he does see a change in plate discipline, the the right response is to be skeptical of it, and I think that's playing out for Morrell now. So, are his natural tools enough that he can overcome a high strikeout rate? I think potentially, but it's going to be with a low batting average in all likelihood. So keep that in mind for Morrell going forward. He's versatile. He, he can contribute power and speed. 
but I think now we have reason to believe that he, his bat might disappear at times because of the strikeouts. Yeah, I mean, one thing that, that is particularly alarming is he's someone who actually doesn't chase the ball outside of the strike zone all that often. His chase rate is only 25.9%. His zone swing rate is 72%. So, you know, that that's generally what you want. Uh, so that actually makes the six, he's in the sixth percentile whiff rate at 35%. That actually makes it even worse because he's generally swinging more or less at the pitches that he should and still swinging and missing a lot. So that's definitely concerning. And that definitely, you know, indicates, uh, uh, a middling or, you know, maybe worse uh, contact skill. So, you know, that that would be the concern there. But, yeah, the, the underlying skills, um, or at least the, the tools, are very impressive. So Christopher Morrell remains someone who is, is very interesting for fantasy. Is he must roster in Roto Leagues for you? Yeah, in Roto, I wouldn't be tempted to move on. In, in a points league, if you gave a shot on, if you took a shot on him as your second baseman, more likely than outfield. Uh, I think he's, I, I think he's pretty fringy now, and is probably going to remain so. All right, my oh my goodness gracious player of the day, Derek Hall, got his first two major league hits today, and they were both home runs. He went two for five, two home runs, three RBI, and a fourteen four Phillies win over the Braves. And you know, Hall is someone who, not a big time prospect, but it, it's going to be interesting. Like even by the standards of like. Vinny Pasquantino, who not a big time, like real life prospect, but has had a lot of hype around his debut for fantasy. Um, Derek Hall didn't even have that, but his minor league numbers are fairly similar uh, Two two home runs today, 102 and 109 miles per hour. And given that he's already had a big game, what do you think the chances are that people are going to flock to Derek Hall instead of Vinny Pasquantino? Oh, I, I don't think they should. <laughs> the, the thing about Pasquantino is, so I was I was spending some time on Baseball Prospectus the other day, mm-hmm. uh, and I forget which of their writers, but he was saying, um, and I don't know exactly how they do their midseason top 50 if they include players who are already in the majors and happen to still have uh, rookie eligibility or not, mm-hmm. but he was saying they were prepared to have Vinny Pasquantino in, in their top 15 when they released the top 50. Wow. And this particular writer was saying he was the best hitter in the minors. So yeah, I, I would say his prospect stock has improved over the course of this season. I think maybe there was some skepticism about the way his, uh, his 2021 went, but um, based on what a lot of evaluators have seen from this year, Pasquantino has become a full fledged prospect. Uh, but getting back to the player you brought up here, Derek Hall, uh, I believe he's 26, right? The strikeout rate isn't, isn't yeah, unwieldy in the minors. And I actually had the choice to add him in the 24-team Dynasty League, where obviously, you know, anyone who you can get for a buck off waivers when he first gets called up, you know, it, it could turn into a valuable chip for him. I decided to stick with Gavin Sheets over him. So that, you know, if, if I had known Derek Hall was going to homer twice the next day, I probably would have made a different decision. But I, I think that's the range we're talking about here, where it's, yes, a, the guy has some hitting ability, uh, but he profiles more as 
a, maybe a part-timer or somebody who gets shuttled between the majors and minors pretty often. I think it's unlikely he turns into a legit asset just based on the lack of, of uh, enthusiasm for him among prospect evaluators. Yeah, it's not clear he's going to play against lefties. He hasn't had the opportunity yet, so um, that's also a knock against him. But good game, worth keeping an eye on. He did have 20 home runs in 72 games uh, entering uh, the – before getting called up back when he was in AAA. So, you know, there's some pop there, 20% strikeout rate. So not outrageous. So something, someone to keep an eye on now that he's had this big game. And let's give a shout-out to the Cubs offense. Six players had multiple hits, including Christopher Morales we talked about. Uh, Nico Horner had three, went three for five, two home runs for Patrick Wisdom, plus a shoe. So two socks and one shoe. Uh, I guess that second sock will get dirty. Joey Votto and Tommy Pham also had three hits on the other side of that game, including a home run for each of them. Tommy Pham went deep in the ninth. Uh, so big games for both those guys, which is what you want to see. And uh, let's talk about the pitchers from Thursday as we move on. Uh, again, later in the show, we're going to have week 14 preview, sleeper pitchers, sleeper hitters, all that good stuff. But for now, let's continue to recap Thursday night's action. Let's talk about the pitchers. There were only, what, seven games on the schedule today? Um so we can pretty much touch everyone if we want. We had some aces who pitched. What was that? That was me touching. Oh, that was you touching. Okay. Yeah. Uh, aces who pitched. They were fine. Shane Bieber got a quality start. Five strikeouts, two walks against Minnesota. 49% slider usage in this game. 10 whiffs with that pitch. 13 overall. He's more or less settled in as a low 3 ZRA. I think he's down to 3-1 uh, range right now. But... 4.0 X ERA. Any concerns about that at all for Shane Bieber? Or are you pretty much in on Shane Bieber as a borderline ace again? Yeah, I'm pretty much in on him as a borderline ace. And, uh, you know, a lot of it's just because he's been so consistent. Mm-hmm. He's, he's in spite of the decline in velocity, which, by the way, was up a little in this start, but, you know, still below what we expected from him coming in. He still has... 13.7% swinging strike rate. Like obviously the stuff is playing for Bieber and uh, still has incredible control for a pitcher with that kind of stuff. I I think he's fine. Yeah. It's interesting. Like, and I don't think this changes how I view him at all. It's just, it's interesting. Like I was looking at him and the way he's evolved over the years and like, the fact that he's now a slider first pitcher. I mean, he's throwing it 41% of the time overall this season, 49% today. That was in that massive 2020 shortened season. That was his least used uh, of the the major pitches. I guess his changeup, you know, which he, he rarely uses anyway. Um, yeah, he's kind of ditched that cutter and made the slider his go-to pitch. And so far this season, 39% whiff rate, uh, 288 X-Woba, the fastball. Remains an issue for him, and that's kind of a good example of why he's going so slider heavy. It's just, it was interesting to note that he's preferring the slider to the curveball now. Maybe it's just slider's a little easier to throw for strikes if he doesn't have that fastball. So that's the one thing I noticed. But yeah, at this point, I think Shane Bieber's back inside my top 15. I feel pretty good about him. Yeah, he's been in my top 12 for a while now. But by the way, I wanted to... I wanted to throw a shout out to Jarrett Sadler. That's the baseball pr- prospectus mm-hmm. writer who offered those insights on uh, 
Pasquantino. So I, I always hate when I bring up an author for another site yeah. just by by the work alone this without person, mentioning the name. Yeah. yeah. No. Good. He he does good work. I yeah. always like reading his uh, prospect stuff. Uh, another ace who pitched pretty well today, Aaron Nola, seven innings, four earned runs. So, you know, the ERA is not great, but eight strikeouts, one walk. He continues to pitch very well. Third time this season that he's allowed at least four runs and gotten a win, which is, uh, you know, I guess when the, the Phillies are priori- pr- prioritizing offense and going away from defense the way they have, uh, that'll happen. Uh, Aaron Ola or Shane Bieber at this point? Who do you have ranked higher? I think they're right back to back for me, but I mm-hmm. do have Nola higher just because I think there are fewer concerns with him. Not that there are no concerns and not that there are a lot of concerns for Bieber, but I, I think, uh, you know, the velocity issue lingering over Bieber makes me a little more nervous than the defense behind Nola or the fact that Nola had a bad ERA last year. He's uh, He's looked pretty dominant this year. All right, and then Luis Severino, six innings, three hits, two runs, two walks, only four strikeouts, only six whiffs in this one, but it was against a Houston team that rarely strikes out. Velocity and stuff looked fine. ERA down to 335. Is he inside your top 20 at this point at starting pitcher? That was Severino? Yes. Yeah, he is. And I got... I've been kind of second-guessing that because... uh, like right when I moved him into my top top fifteen, actually, uh, his it, like it, it was right at the the height of of uh, his you know kind of return to form uh, with a lot of strikeouts going deep into games, really bringing back the slider in a way he wasn't doing at the start of the year. And of course, that was his put away pitch when back before he had Tommy John surgery. So once he started unveiling that again, Oh, Luis Severino, clearly he's back to being an ace and the starts since then, you know, they've been a little less dominant, but you know, it's either Severino or somebody like Frankie Montas. who's not getting wins in Oakland. Somebody like Pablo Lopez, who Mm -hmm. has some pretty, his own concerns. Yeah. Significant health concerns. I suppose once I'm fully confident in Woodruff and, and Max Scherzer when he's back, uh, they might bump Severino just outside of the top 15. But yeah, the point is he's, if he's not back to being a fantasy ace for me, he's very close. He's been very consistent this season. The ERA for each month, 332, 341, 330. Strikeouts have been way up lately before this start, at least. Um, so yeah, I, I don't have him quite in my top 20. He's behind like, Robbie Ray and Logan Webb and Pablo Lopez. I think Lopez, I, I can probably safely move behind Severino, but he's right in that range. So yeah, I, I feel pretty good about him moving forward. And that uh, those six whiffs, I mean, that was his only his second start year this year with with fewer than double digit swinging yeah. strikes. So like even in that department, even when he wasn't using the slider that much early in the season, he was still getting whiffs at a good rate. Yeah, has not actually really been a concern for him. Um, I'm going to ask, is Luis Garcia a must-start? He went five and a third, three hits, one earned run, two walks, six strikeouts against those Yankees, 14 whiffs on 101 pitches. Velocity was up slightly. ERA down to 354, and the XERA backs it up. Two earned runs or fewer in eight of his last 10 games started. Three earned runs or fewer in nine of the last 10. Is he just a must-start against any matchup? Well, I can say he's must-start next week because he's facing the Royals and the Athletics. 
in a two-star week. So definitely next week. Must start in any matchup. I I think, you know, speaking to the general audience who plays in what we consider shallower leagues, I, I don't know that I'd go that far. Luis Garcia has only six times gone six innings or more this yeah. year. So that's that and the fact that his ERA is in the mid threes. Uh, I, I think he's more of a, not exactly a matchups play. He's more valuable than that. But there are times when you're going to look at your options and he's just, he's just going to get pushed out because you have su- superior choices. All right, this next uh, little mini segment I'm calling Drop City Population 2. Ian Anderson, two innings, seven hits, seven earned runs, one walk, one strikeout versus Philadelphia. 531 ERA for the season now. The weird thing is his XERA is 387, which isn't great, but is much better than his actual ERA. Uh, His velocity in the stuff mostly seems fine. He's getting pretty good whiff numbers with his change up and curveball in particular the fastball not so much but i think the the change up and curveball are both in like the 37 percent range and i think anything above 35 percent we we generally consider to be pretty good so he's got you know these two yeah 37.5 percent both with the change up and curveball so he's got these two pitches that seem like they are getting the job done and the quality of contact metrics for both are pretty good but He's just been miserable. I don't know what it is that explains why Ian Anderson's been so bad this year. Yeah. No, he should be better. And I've said that about him a couple times this season. I feel like he is a pitcher. You look at the metrics and this guy should be better than he is. But we've been saying that for a year and a half now. Yeah. It's only gotten worse. His ERA and whip at this point, 531 and 152. And so it's it's amazing to me. He's like 90% rostered still. Yeah. I mean – you could you could understand how uh, stat dorks like us would say, yeah, there's still something to see here. But just you know the way the general fantasy player operates, I, I feel like they would have moved on from him long ago. And the thing is, I wonder now if the Braves might consider sending him down for a stretch. I mean, they got Man. Kyle Muller, who's we've seen a couple times in the majors before, and it hasn't gone great, but. He's on quite a run now at AAA, 187 ERA in his past five starts, uh, 43 strikeouts in 33 and two-thirds innings, a 15% swinging strike rate. But most notably, six walks in those five starts, a 69% strike rate. Like Kyle Muller has great stuff. He's got that fastball mm-hmm. uh, as a left-hander that, that rises and gets a lot of whiffs itself. It's just he's, he's had trouble throwing strikes. And these last five starts, it seems like he may have improved in that area. So I, I kind of feel like the Braves might be itching to give him another look, particularly with Ian Anderson struggling like he is. Could be dead wrong about that. I mean, Anderson's been a, you know, he's had some big moments in the playoffs for them the past couple of years, and they may feel like he's earned his place, but yeah. He needs some. He needs something done because it's it's not working what he's doing now. Yeah, I think the 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 thing I look at, he's got only he's only has nine strikeouts this season with his curveball. He has thirteen with the fastball, despite the fact that the curveball has a thirty eight percent whiff rate. The fastball's only got a seventeen percent whiff rate, so it it kind of seems like he might stand to benefit more from using the the curveball as a. Yeah, put away pitch because it seems like that's the biggest issue for him. You know, he's got a decent whiff rate, but he's got a 19% strikeout right now. So it's like he's got to figure out how to get 
the whiff rate. The whiff rate is held steady for Anderson from the rookie year when he yeah. was, had like a sub two ERA. It was, it was the twenty twenty season, so we're talking about I don't know, like eight starts. starts or something. Yeah, yeah, but still, I mean, he looked like oh man, this is this I is thought the he was new be ace. ace. I yeah, thought he was great. And the whiff rate is held steady, but yeah, it's just the strikeouts have gotten worse, and every everything's gotten worse. Yeah, I, I would be interested in buying low, but it would have to be like a you're going to drop this guy anyway, so why don't you just give him to right. me for whatever. I've got kind of situation. So really frustrating with uh, Ian Anderson, Graham Ashcraft, another guy we've, uh, we've hyped up a little bit over the past couple of weeks. He was on the receiving end of all those Cubs, those, you know, six multi-hit games by the Cubs today, two and a third inning, seven hits, seven earned runs, two walks, one strikeout, used his cutter 59% of the time, got seven whiffs on 68 pitches total. ERA is up to 433. He's got 28 strikeouts in 43 and two thirds innings. You know, he doesn't give up any walks really. Um, you know, today he had two and two and a third. That's probably his worst of the season, but he also just doesn't strike anyone out. It's like a 16% strikeout rate. He's got this 98, 99 mile an hour cutter, but he doesn't get any swings and misses on it. And he pitches to contact in a way that he's going to have to really do a great job of mitigating the quality of contact and i don't know you've been very bullish on graham ashcraft uh is he someone that you're looking to drop well like with anderson i think even more likely than with anderson much more likely actually i think um i think we could see graham ashcraft get sent down in short order because nick lodolo is set to return early next week, may even be a two-star pitcher next week. And I was looking at the Reds' rotation. I'm like, oh, no, who's, who are they going to move? They, they can't remove Ashcraft. I'd hate to see that. And then he goes out and has this start, and it's like, oh, well, yeah, they're probably going to remove Ashcraft. So, yeah, I mean, I still think there are definite uh, tools to work with there for Ashcraft. And he has been a solid strikeout pitcher in the minors. So I, I, I still think that it's, it's possible that he, he learns to do that more at the major league level, even if he doesn't, the way he gets ground balls, uh, he may not need to. But, yeah, I mean, he, uh, what, three of his last four starts have been pretty bad now. So yeah. it just seems like rather than, rather than dumping Mike Miner, which the Reds would probably, uh, probably not want to do, it just seems like Ashcraft would be the obvious man out. So, yeah, I think... I think you could make the case for dropping him anyway, but obviously if the Reds send him down here, most likely going to do that. Uh, would you pick up any of these? I, I have Chris Archer listed under here, but I don't think there's any reason to add Chris Archer. Would, would you <laughs> consider adding any of Yusei Kikuchi, Kyle Hendricks, or JD, JT Brubaker if you drop Graham Ashcraft? Kikuchi had a really good start against Tampa Bay today. Eight strikeouts, one walk, one earned run in six innings. He had... Even with that start, he finished a 7.17 ERA in the month of June after putting up a 2.36 in the month of May. I can't quit Yusei Kikuchi, so maybe that's just me being interested <laughs> in him. Uh, Kyle Hendricks, two earned runs in six innings, seven strikeouts, one walk against Cincinnati, two earned runs or fewer in three of his last four starts, and finished June with a very respectable 3.90 ERA, 26 strikeouts to four walks in 27 and two-thirds innings over five starts, not going as deep into starts these days as he once did. Uh, but at least he's gotten the control issues that plagued him early in the season. He had 11 walks, I think, in 18 innings in uh, April. At least he's gotten that under control. And then JT Brubaker, 12% rostered. He 
was fine. Six six strikeouts. Uh, just missed out on a quality start against Milwaukee, but I think he's pretty fringe. So, would you be interested in picking up Kikuchi or Ken Hendrick, Kyle Hendricks in particular to if you dropped Graham Ashcraft? Well, you know it's interesting how you said I've been bullish on Ashcraft, and I think part of the reason. I have been is because it's uh there's a, there's some relativity going on there where it's like if this if this is who you're picking up instead like mm-hmm. I'm I'm sorry it's just not much to get excited about. I I don't know if you've experienced this yourself Chris but I I've, I've noticed the last couple of weeks when I go and put in my waiver claims on Sunday there's just hasn't been as many to put in. Like I think we've Yeah we've reached a point in the season where things have kind of stabilized and it doesn't mean there's never going to be any exciting waiver claims again, but the frequency is outside is of way the, down. Uh, outside of the guys getting called up, which happened, you know, there was like a big blob yeah. of those guys a couple of weeks ago. But uh, other than that, yeah, I agree. It, it's been a lot less exciting and you see a lot more like $7 bids and, and stuff like that. So, yeah. I mean, to address the players specifically, JT Brubaker has a surprisingly good swinging strike rate. You know, he did last year too, so I I don't I don't read too much into that. Kikuchi, yes, it was a good start. He's been so bad lately. I noticed he kind of reintroduced the changeup a little in this one after mm-hmm. not throwing it much recently, and so maybe that helped his arsenal play up. But yeah, there were there was there there have been other starts in June where he threw his changeup. A decent amount too and, and they didn't go as well so i definitely need more convincing there with him and hendrix i'd actually moved on from hendrix in some deep leagues just kind of traded him for whatever i could get because i was just tired of you know the second straight year where yeah occasionally he has a start where he looks like retro hendrix but then when he doesn't it's just terrible so three of his last four starts have been good the one that hasn't was terrible and you know, I wouldn't put it past him to rediscover his old form. I mean, he was a real fantasy asset for seven years. But um, yeah, I mean, I've I've taken some lumps. I've taken some lumps uh, anticipating that happening for Hendricks, and and it it hasn't. So it's kind of kind of steering clear of him for now. That makes sense. Yeah, I I think I'd be fine dropping Ashcraft for Hendricks, you know, just to try to get a couple of good starts out of him. But I think I do have him. I do have him as a two star sleeper for this upcoming week. So I think expectations are rightly muted for Kyle Hendricks at this point. But he has been pitching you know, much better of late. It's worth noting. Uh, We will take a quick break and then we come back. We'll talk about some news and notes from Thursday. We'll get you that week 14 preview. And before we do that, though, I just want to remind you, we're doing a mailbag episode for Tuesday. We're going to record that on Sunday night so that uh, Scott can celebrate my birthday the right way on Monday by not having to work, by not having to spend any time with me. That's that's your your that's that's how you're going to celebrate my birthday. Uh, so send your emails in to fantasybaseball at cbsi.com or leave, leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts and we'll get your questions answered talking about the second half of the season, maybe some prospect call ups, maybe some. Keeper questions, whatever you got, we'll answer them on Tuesday's episode. So send those in and we'll be right back on Fantasy Baseball Today. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? 
Well, now it is on homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com, we've done your homework. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. All right, let's talk about some news and notes before we move on to the Week 14 preview. Uh, Ronald Acuna was available off the bench Thursday and is expected to play on Friday. He had been out since Saturday with a bruised foot, so that's a good sign. It sounds like he's going to be back. And really surprising good news on the Mookie Betts front. It sounds like he could be back early next week, according to manager Dave Roberts. That's what he said coming back from that rib injury. He's taken batting practice in the last couple of days. And it sounds like he's going to play second base. Um, so that they Whoa. don't have to, so that he doesn't have to make those long throws from the outfield. So that's actually potentially Whoa. a very significant deal because, yeah. you know, Mookie Betts obviously has experience playing second base before, but if well, he was able to year. get second base eligibility, yeah, he, he was eligible at second base last year, right? Yeah. I mean, cause, cause they were sparing his hip. They moved him there just enough for him to get, obviously not to retain eligibility into this year, but for him to get it toward the end of last year. And so that'll be interesting to to see because he would clearly be, I think, the number two second baseman uh, if he became eligible there behind Trey Turner, who I mean, they'd will be only neck have neck second base eligibility. Yeah. What's that? They, they'd be neck and neck as far as I'm yeah. concerned. Yeah, I think they're both top 10 players overall in, in both head-to-head and, point and Roto. And, you know, depending on how long they play Mookie Betts, you know, he needs 20 games to have eligibility for next season. But that that could be, you know, significant mm. for his uh, – his 2022 or 2023 value, excuse me. So that'll definitely be something to keep an eye on as Mookie Betts makes his return. Uh, Manny Machado returned from a week-plus absence to play DH Thursday. Uh, I saw he drove to Los Angeles rather than fly to avoid uh, any swelling. He went one for three with three strikeouts, but it's good to see him back out there. Been one of the best players in baseball this season. Uh, Jordan Alvarez and Jeremy Pena were both out of the lineup Thursday against the Yankees following their collision in the field on Wednesday. They're still being evaluated for concussions. So that's not a great sign. Hopefully we'll get some good news on Friday. Anthony Rizzo played and homered after leaving Wednesday's game with an elbow issue. He's got 21 home runs on the season now, so that's a good sign. Tyler Stevenson is making really good recovery in his uh, really good time in his recovery from uh, thumb injury and, could be back in the next seven to 10 days. He's been swinging and could go on a rehab assignment in the next few days. So he went out, I think, on June 10th with a four to six week timetable, and it looks like he's going to beat that. So 
Good sign for Tyler Stevenson, top 10 catcher, potentially top five at this point. Uh, Jacob deGrom could begin his rehab assignment on Saturday. Adrian Hauser left his start on Thursday with elbow tightness and will go on the IL. That's a bad sign. Uh, David Price was placed on the family medical emergency list. will be away from the team for the next three days. Chris Sale struck out seven over four innings pitched at AA Portland as part of his rehab assignment. Threw 52 pitches in this one, so probably needs at least one more rehab start, but he's been awesome. 14 strikeouts to one walk in seven and two-thirds innings. It's kind of unfair for AA pitchers to have to face even a rehabbing Chris Sale, but that's a good sign for his recovery. Do you expect him to be a you know, top 30 starting pitcher when he's healthy? Yeah, top 30, I think, is a safe threshold to clear. I, I mean, I wouldn't put it past him to be top 10, honestly. I'm not yeah, saying no, he will be. I'm just saying, like, yeah. you could, it, it, it's, it's okay to dream that big with Chris Sale. Yeah, well within the realm of possibility there. Uh, Jed Lowry was placed on the IL with a shoulder injury. The A's called up Vimal Machine. Machin? I'm not sure how you pronounce that name. He's got a little bit of pop, a little bit of speed, but I'm not sure. There's much there. They optioned Christian Pache to AAA. He had a two, uh, 427 OPS this season, so not going well for him in one of his, you know, really first real opportunity to play like every, every day. So not great for Christian Pache. Uh, Mitch Hanniger, uh dealing with that ankle injury, took part in batting practice and has been playing catch, but still isn't running at full speed, hoping for a return around the all-star break. Um, and Kyle Lewis, who's recovering from a concussion, did base running drills and could go on a rehab assignment soon. So that's a good sign. Jake Odorizzi said he's ready. He feels ready to return to the Houston rotation. Who do you think would lose their spot at this point? I mean, Jose Arquiti has been the worst starter for the Astros, 436 ERA, but I don't know if they'd be willing to remove him from the rotation. Yeah, I kind of think it's going to be Odorizzi himself. Like, he's he is worse than any of the five in there currently. And I know they've, uh, they've, they've been hesitant to do that in the past. Obviously they've bumped Christian Javier to the bullpen for long stretches, but like he's been, he's been their second best pitcher. Well, Framber Valdez, I guess is in that discussion too, but certainly coming off a 13 strikeout effort. If they were to yeah. send Christian Javier back to the bullpen, I think there might be some, some uh some riding over that so um specifically yeah. from you it's, well yeah <laughs> and, and many many people who play fantasy many people who cheer for the astros probably uh but Odorizzi, i i don't know um it should be Odorizzi. i'll say that much if it's not Odorizzi, i guess Orkidi is the unless they're trying to preserve Luis Garcia's innings that's that's the only other scenario i could see they or, could go six man for a they little could while go six too. man for a while yeah maybe with everybody but for lander yeah or maybe even with him he's coming back from tommy john after all we'll see yeah we'll be worth keeping an eye on uh marcus stroman set to throw a bullpen session on friday he's been out since june 10th with shoulder inflammation Jeffrey Springs did not make his scheduled start Thursday after being placed on the family medical emergency list. Not sure how long he'll be out at this point, but that's why Matt Wisler uh, got the start as an opener with Ryan Yarbrough following him. Uh, and then Zach Eflin had a cortisone injection in his knee, so hopefully that'll help uh, speed up the healing process for Zach Eflin. Let's move on to the 
Week 14 preview, and before we do, let's just take a look at the schedule, and this is a nice spread out even one. 18 teams have seven games, 12 teams have six games, nice and balanced. Nobody's uh, nobody's got eight, nobody's got five, which is what we've seen uh, in recent weeks, so hopefully it stays that way with, uh, you know, weather and all that, but yeah, should be, uh, should be kind of a, a pretty straightforward week. Start your studs kind of week, I guess. Um, before we get into the two-start pitchers to add, how are you treating these fringy two-start options? Let's go rapid fire with these. Just tell me, start them in all formats, just head-to-head -head or none. Uh, Taiwan Walker at Cincinnati and at Miami or versus Miami. So he is my favorite. In my, in my two-star pitcher rankings, he is the top ranked of the non-must-start pitchers. So you're I'm, I'm pretty high on Taiwan Walker this week with those two matchups and with the kind of run he's been on. Uh, Cal Quantrill coming off a, a pretty good start at Detroit, at Kansas City. Great matchups. And he is a spark. He is, and, and I still don't know how he's doing it. <laughs> I'm still skeptical of him long term, but he he remains a quality start machine. And with those two matchups, I think most people are going to want to start him. Eric Lauer versus Chicago Cubs versus Pittsburgh. Pretty good matchups, but he's been bad. Yeah, ERA over four now. He's been one of the one of the biggest fakeouts from the start of the season. But those matchups being what they are, I have him in that same tier with Walker and Quantrill in my two star pitcher rankings, which means most people are gonna probably want to start him. How about Tarek Skubal versus Cleveland at Chicago? He's another guy. I don't know if he's as big of a fake out as Eric Lauer. I think he's more talented. I, I have more faith in him moving forward, but yep. it's been ugly lately. Even uglier than Lauer lately. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's like I could totally understand anybody sitting Scooble. And I think I may, after his last start, I may have said, go ahead and sit him for now. But of course, he lines up for two starts with especially favorable matchups. So it's like, just cross your fingers and start him. That's the approach I'm going to take with him. All right, and then this this might actually just answer the should you drop Ian Anderson. He's got two starts versus St. Louis versus Washington. And we've kind of got that that adage we go with where if you're not willing to start a guy in a two-star week, they're probably not a must-roster player. So Ian Anderson versus St. Louis versus Washington. There's no way you start him, right? I have him in the points league only section. So there is a way I start him, but... Uh, certainly not if I'm looking to preserve ERA and whip. All right, here are your two-star pitchers to stream for week 14. I don't know, how, does, how does Frank usually do this? I'm, I'm blanking. Do you usually talk just, about them on your own, or do I just yeah, go through Yeah, it just throws it to me, and I ramble for a few minutes, and everybody seems to be happy with it. So. All right, so we're going to go out and we'll add just, Ranger Suarez versus Washington and at St. Louis. Uh, well, let me preface the whole thing by saying you know, just as I was pointing out that it's it's hard to get excited about waiver in any waiver wire claims at this point in the year because things have stabilized. Mm -hmm. That means it's also hard to find sleeper pitchers. I was just thinking a couple weeks ago, you know, I haven't had to apologize for my sleeper pitchers in a while. They've actually I've actually genuinely been uh been happy to recommend them, but this is one of those weeks where not so much. Not so much. So Ranger Suarez, I've lost a lot of faith in him. I don't think he is. Well, I mean, obviously he's 72% roster now, so he is not much roster. But those matchups, certainly the Washington one, um, they're good enough that I think 
I think he's an advisable play. Yeah, not a not over. a must in roto leagues, especially, but good enough. Do you have him ranked over Hunter Green, who's versus New York uh, Mets and versus Tampa Bay? I do. Okay. Yeah. All right. Hunter Green probably has more upside. You know, there's there's a For chance sure. to get 25 strikeouts from Hunter Green this week. There's but he's also been... a chance you get, you know, 12 earned runs allowed. <laughs> yeah. Yep. His ERA is terrible. Uh, Alex Wood also rostered in a similar number of rain- leagues. He's at Arizona, at San Diego. So good matchup to open, mixed bag after that. Uh, would you rather him or Suarez? I would rather Suarez. I think green Suarez. or Wood? Uh, I have green over Wood. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yep. And then you've what? got Zach Greinke and Kyle Hendricks, and you actually do have Zach Greinke ranked ahead of Kyle Hendricks as a streamer, right? Yeah, I do. Zach Greinke, since coming off the IL, has put together back-to-back quality starts where, you know, he gets more than one or two strikeouts like he was at the <laughs> beginning of the year. And... The velocity on his fastball has been up by a mile per hour and a half since in, in both of those starts. And I, I don't think the success and the velocity, uh, I, I don't think those are unrelated. And, you know, Zach Greinke isn't far removed from being a must-star pitcher. So I think uh, in a week where he's making two starts, one against Cleveland. And I don't know how this is possible, but the Astros are actually in the lower third of the league in, in runs scored. Huh, so that it's is not surprising. as... It is not as bad of a matchup as it's a very top heavy lineup think. these days. Yeah. You know, I guess once you get to the Chaz McCormick part of the lineup, things things tend to get a <laughs> well, little get a little yeah, easier. Yeah, I mean but. lately it's been Jake Myers. Yeah. But yeah. And then any interest, I don't know if these guys prop maybe these guys all belong in the fortune favors, the brave portion of the uh of the the segment, but Cole Irvin versus Toronto versus Houston, Nick Lodolo coming back versus New York Mets versus Tampa Bay, Kyle Freeland at the Dodgers at Arizona, and Armand Marquez at the Dodgers in Arizona as well. Uh, would you go with any of those guys? They are all in the no thanks portion of the two star pitcher rankings for me. If if Irvin had better matchups, and I know base, I know I just said Houston's not that bad of a matchup. I still think mm-hmm. they're a bad matchup. Um. So going against them in Toronto, I I think you should probably steer clear of Irvin as well as those others you mentioned. Hopefully, hopefully this is a, a good return for Nick Lodolo, but I I'm not yeah, I'm not it's gonna just tough matchups, yeah. Right. And you know, it's not like he was all that proven before he went on the aisle. Yeah, I'm gonna throw Armand Marquez on the fortune favors the brave, along with Yusei Kikuchi at Oakland at Seattle. I, I could see both those guys having good good weeks. They're not going to make you feel good about the prospect of starting them, given the mm-hmm. way their seasons have mostly gone. But I could see Armand Marquez and Yusei Kikuchi having good two start weeks. So you're just you're doubling up on the fortune. Brave favors the brave. That that is yeah. especially brave. I am scared yeah. to make a fortune favors the brave pick. Well, let's hear who it is. Weeks. Again, I want to do it. That is the the conceit here. But if you're braver than me, Dylan Bundy at the White Sox at the Rangers. He's he's occasionally chicken. been okay. All right. Single start streamers, John Gray versus Minnesota. We think he should be universally rostered, right? I think I moved yeah. him inside my top 50 starting pitchers this week. Um, yeah, that's, that one's not really even a matchup play. I, I think John Gray, you know, in my struggle to fill out a sleeper pitchers list for this week, 
Uh, he's he snuck in at seventy nine percent roster. Yeah, I, I didn't roster rate. I I didn't care who he was facing. Yeah, I, <laughs> he's my number one sleeper pitcher for this week. All right, Aaron Ashby versus the Pirates. Jose Arquiti versus Kansas City. Zach Plesac versus Kansas City. And Michael Lorenzen at Baltimore all make uh, the single start streamers list. Yes, I do want to mention Aaron Ashby against the Pirates. That that's subject to change based on how his return this weekend goes coming back from that forearm injury that nobody seems that concerned about for whatever reason. Yeah. Uh, but, but obviously if, if, if that doesn't go smoothly on Saturday when he's scheduled to start, then, then Aaron Ashby will no longer be my number two sleeper pitcher for next week. But I, you know, in ranking them that high goes to show how, how uh, limited the options are. And how little confidence you have in the two start options. Exactly. Uh, let's talk about the best and worst hitter matchups. Best hitter matchups. White Sox have seven games, Minnesota and Detroit. Braves have seven games, St. Louis and Washington. You got the Dodgers. You got the Guardians. You got the Diamondbacks rounding out the top five best hitter matchups for the upcoming week. And the worst, you've got at the Athletics against Toronto and Houston. The Pirates get the Yankees, the Reds, and the Brewers. And then you got the Mariners, Cubs, and Padres rounding out the worst hitter matchups. And uh, let's just run through these sleeper hitters. Um, Christian Walker, 78% versus San Francisco versus Colorado. Do they have any lefties on the schedule? They have four. Okay. So, so that that helps because, yeah. you know, Christian Walker's around the Mendoza line overall, but he's batting like 280 against lefties. And his expected stats, I mean, his expected stats suggest that Christian Walker should be like one of the best hitters in baseball, and I don't think he's that. But I, I still think he's better than a 200 average, at the very least, as long as he keeps hitting the ball the way he has been. So, yeah. Uh, Michael Harris, another guy that I, I would imagine it's not really – like the matchups are good, but it's more – he's just under-rostered at 76%, right? Yeah. Hit another home run today. Yeah, I mean, the matchups are good. The Braves have the second best. But, but yes, he's – the one thing I, I want to see more of is, is walks. He's not doing much of that. Not not much of that at all, yeah. Plate discipline, like a, it's around like a 10 to 1 strikeout to walk ratio right now, I think. Right. And, uh, uh, but you know, he's he's batting over 300. He has four home runs, four steals, and a little over yeah. 100 at bats. It's, it's hard to complain too much about what he's doing. And the quality of contact is pretty good. You know, not elite. Uh, I, yeah, I the, the average exit velocity is actually kind of low, but the max yeah. exit velocity is impressive. Yeah, the you could make a case. I think that he's a sell high candidate. He's got a three twenty five, four twenty seven, five twenty six uh, triple slash line right now. I I don't think Michael Harris is suddenly one of the best hitters in baseball. You know, making the leap from Double A. So, you know, I, I think there's there's an argument to be made that he's a sell high candidate. But even then, seventy six percent roster rate is too yeah. Low. Well, that's the thing. How do you sell low on a guy who's still out there in a quarter of leagues? It would, it would probably be only. It would probably be a pretty deep league where you could pull off a yeah. sell high. Uh, rest of the sleeper hitters, you just stop me if you want to mention anyone or go into any more detail. But Raddy Telez, Ahmed Rosario, Nate Lowe, Adam Duvall, Alec Thomas. Alec Thomas, another guy that I think is just under rostered at 58 percent. Uh, Gavin Lux has seven games, Andrew McCutcheon, and Josh H. Smith hitting leadoff for Texas. Anybody want to yep. add some thoughts on? So Adam Duvall homered for a second straight game. Here finished on June with 10 of them. Thursday, 10, really? Uh, okay. Yep. Now, he, he did hit about 230 for the month, but 
by Adam Duvall standards, that's pretty good. Like if he keeps doing that, you'll be, <laughs> you'll be uh, happy with the investment. Um, yeah. Andrew McCutcheon has had a surprisingly good June as well. Um, let me see if I can find the numbers I wrote down for him. Uh, yeah. So he went three for four with two doubles on Thursday mm-hmm. for the month of June has slashed three fifteen four eleven five hundred. And remember yeah, we talked about him a little bit on Thursday's show. Yeah. And he's been better against righties and lefties this year, which which last year it seemed like he he completely dropped off against righties, and uh, so that's been encouraging to see. And the Brewers have good matchups. Uh, you didn't mention them them as being among the the five best matchups, but I did want to point out that there are a lot of teams that ha- a lot more than five teams that have that are facing some really weak pitchers. Mm-hmm. This week, so beyond the the five which you gave White Sox, Braves, Dodgers, Guardians, and Diamondbacks, there's the Astros, Angels, Brewers, Yankees, Rangers, and Blue Jays. Any one of those teams, I would have been happy to put in the top five. The the reason most of them got left out is because they're playing six games instead of seven. Okay, all right. Let's move on to uh, just pick up some of the the hitters from Thursday's action before we. Uh... You know, close out what is looking like it's going to be the shortest show of the year. So how about that? I mean, I guess that'll happen when you got seven games on the schedule. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez went two, three for four with two runs, including a home run. Finished June hitting 327 with an OPS over 950. No concerns about Teoscar Hernandez at this point. Isai Paredes homered again went Thursday, his sixth in seven games. He's 49% rostered. Who would you rather have rest of season, Isak Paredes or Jose Miranda, who went uh, had three RBI, hit a bases-clearing double off Shane Bieber, finished mm. June hitting 306 with 13 RBI since coming back. Who would you rather have, Miranda or Paredes? Well, I can tell you in a dynasty context, I'd, I'd much rather have Miranda. Yes. For this season, I, I did in my latest rankings update move uh, Miranda just behind Paredes. Because I think there are playing time concerns there as well. Um, but you know, if he heats up enough, that could change. So we'll see if we'll see if the last couple games here are the start of something for Miranda. All right. Do we need to give Jake Sawinski more credit? He hit his eighth home run in 27 games in June on Thursday. Uh, he's up to a 770, 761 OPS despite hitting 216. So. The power's actually been pretty impressive for Jake Sawinski. Is there anything there for a mixed league context? I don't think so. I, I don't think he's faking the power, but like a lot of players have power and they just don't have enough to go with it. Um, and and that's what I think the most likely outcome here is for Sawinski. I mean, even just it's not so much oh, I expect him to regress. It's just even as it is, his numbers aren't yeah. good enough, you know? Yeah, 31.7% strikeout rate. He's very pull heavy, so that's how he's getting the most out of his power. But, yeah, that's pretty much all he brings to the table. But Nick Castellanos, we kind of went in depth on him on Thursday. I wrote about him on in the trade values column and how this new offensive environment appears to have affected him more than most players. He had his first home run since May 30th on mm-hmm. – uh, on Thursday. So I guess it's a good thing that he got out of June with a home run, but yeah, I still think he's a buy low as we mentioned yesterday, but I also 
I view Nick Castellanos more, probably more like the Detroit version of him than the guy he's been the last couple of years, at least when it comes to power. I think this, the way the ball's traveling, it's just, I think it's going to be harder for him to be like a 30 homer guy. I think he's probably more like a mid 20s homer guy, but should still hit for better batting average than he has, especially. Yeah. So I, you know, I haven't looked into that specifically the way it sounds like you have. I was noticing today that, you know, the the batted ball metrics don't They're not work. as good. Yeah, I mean, I guess the average exit velocity is a couple miles per hour not not a full 2 miles per hour lower, yeah. but lower, max is the same, launch angle the same, strikeout rate about the same, walk rate. Barrel rate is down, which would impact mm-hmm. exit velocity. It's it's down even from his Tigers days, he'd actually been a very consistent. Yeah. Well, con- so, some years he's been an amazing barrel guy barreling up balls. Some years he's just been a good one. This year he's been an average one. Yeah. And so I think that is likely to correct itself. Yes. So uh, I don't know. I I've I've been dropping him in my rankings because. Like he's he's been really bad, yeah. But I agree he's a sell high. I'm I'm not or buy low. I'm, you mean? Yeah, buy low. I'm not as I'm not as sure I know what's going on with him as, and I'm not you know maybe you're not sure either. You should read the trade values chart, Scott. I, I guess I should. It's a, it's a yeah. good read. Okay. Good good little deep dive. Uh, and Nick Castellanos' teammate Kyle Schwarber hit his twelfth home run uh, of the month of June to close it out. That gives him 28 home runs over the past two Junes, which is just incredible. That is really something. He had 16 last June. Uh, let's do the call to the bullpen real quick. Yerry De Los Santos got a one-out save for the Pirates because David Bednar imploded in this one, allowed three earned runs before uh, De Los Santos ended the game with two runners on. Bednar had missed a couple of games with a back issue, so I wonder if that was related. He's been so good this season and and really flashed a lot last season that I'm willing to give him more than just a little bit of the benefit of the doubt here. But something to keep an eye on, he's been used a ton, uh, a, a bunch of multi-inning uh, appearances. He's on pace for, I think, like 75 innings or something, which is a really high number for a reliever. So, um, yeah, just something to keep an eye on. Ryan Presley, two strikeouts in a perfect ninth inning against the Yankees to get the save. Velocity has been back up to the 95-mile-per-hour range over the past two outings. That's a good sign because velocity had been down, you know, really for much of the season, but especially since that knee issue. Uh, And then Adam Simber got the save for the Blue Jays versus Tampa Bay. That's his fourth of the season. I think that's just because Jordan Romano uh, had thrown 42 pitches the previous two days. So nothing concerning there. And then – Craig Kimbrell worked a clean ninth for a save in the Dodgers-Padres game, and I believe that. Uh, and Paul Sewald got a save. Uh, gave up one run, but get, got the save against the uh, Oakland Athletics in those late games as well. So that's your uh, bullpen yeah, notes. I mean, that's notable with Sewald because that's – Yeah, I uh, think that's four or five in a row for him. Four, four, uh, I think he has four of the teams past five, and the one he didn't get was a day after he'd worked, he'd worked the previous yeah. two days. He needed a day off. I think that's, that's as I think much he's a closer now. 
Well, <laughs> I mean, it's the most anyone's been the closer there since since they traded what? Kendall Graveman yeah. last year. Yeah, I mean, Scott Service has been as as uh, committed to the committee as any manager since then. Uh, but Seawald is. You know, I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if Diego Castillo got the next three saves, but at the yeah. same time, I think, I think we're at a point now where Seawald is, uh, you know, need, needs to be picked up as if he is the closer. It's good for me in the Skyway Dynasty League. Hmm. All right, and then let's uh, let's go to stream or not to stream for the weekend to close out the show. Friday, we've got Marco Gonzalez versus Oakland. We've got Alex Cobb versus the White Sox. Trevor Rogers at Washington. Rowan's and Contreras versus Milwaukee. Aaron Savale versus the Yankees. Rich Hill versus the Cubs. James Caprillion at Seattle. And Glenn Otto versus the Mets. There's you know pretty wide range of uh, guys there. I might have gone a little too high end for the Marco Gonzalez, Randall Cobb, Trevor Rogers range, but tell me who you well. like. I'm glad you did because those are the only ones I can get even halfway behind. Uh, Marco Gonzalez against the A's is my top choice. Alice Cobb would probably be my second, but I, I kind of want to see a good start from him before I <laughs> actually use him. Rogers has Trevor Rogers has shown some signs lately, but still, again, another guy that you have to see some good starts from before you trust. But I wouldn't mind picking him up if he's been dropped in a you know 12-team Roto League. Uh, Saturday... Uh, David Peterson versus Texas. Brady Singer at Detroit. David Peterson, right? Yeah. Uh, Jordan Lyles at Minnesota. Alex Fajardo versus Kansas City. Austin Gomber versus Arizona. Or Matthew Liberator at Philadelphia. Yee. Peterson's got a bunch of strikeouts. I mean, I guess he would be the choice for me. Yeah. Um, I say he was doing something different too, but now I can't remember what it was. I know I talked about it the last time we talked about him. And that Does he the Marlins again okay. this this week? Uh, yeah, he, he did face again this week. Yeah, he's got like twenty strikeouts and two starts against the Marlins. His last two starts. So he's been throwing his slider more, and his slider has a fifty percent whiff rate. Yeah. That was it. So the fifty percent whiff rate is you yeah. Know, you don't see many pitches with a higher whiff rate than that. So that could be something. Is he your your guy here? Yeah, yeah. Not enthusiastically, but yeah. All right. Sunday, Chad Cool versus Arizona. Tyler Wells at Minnesota. Jose Quintana versus Milwaukee. Eric Fetty versus Miami. Chris Bubich versus Detroit or Jose Suarez at Houston. You like any of those guys? Mm-hmm. Jose Quintana is okay, but yeah, it's kind of like Jose Quintana. It's okay. All right, that's going to do it for Fantasy Baseball today for Friday. That's Scott White. I'm Chris Towers. We'll be back on Sunday to recap the weekend. And remember, send your emails to fantasybaseball at cbsi.com for that Monday mailbag. We'll see you next time. Bye. On May 23rd, I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? <laughs> Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not going to survive this. Evil, the final season. Streaming May 23rd, only on Paramount Plus.